0: Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Hello and welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galanti, along with T. Frank Carr. T. Frank, happy 4th of July.
2: Happy 4th to you as well. Hold up your fingers to the camera. Do we all have 10? Still have ten fingers, all right. Good, very good.
1: <laughs> so far, so far, so good. And you know what? You bring that up to you, Frank. I absolutely love fireworks. However, I'm scared to death of them. I'm not. I'm not going to get any close anywhere close to them. Okay. Same. As long as somebody else handles it, I'm good.
2: Yep. I, I'm so I, anyway. I love fireworks. I'm against firework videos. I don't. Oh, I don't know why, and I know same. that this is not an original thought to have here, and I know we're past the holiday, but like, I took a lot of video of fireworks in my early 20s and late teens. Not once did I look at any of those videos. And when I went, when I went back and I looked at the firework like pictures that I took on my, at the time, flip phone, uh, I was like, wow, this is really stupid. I have a picture of a single <laughs> solitary firework. What's that going to do for anybody? So I just enjoy the moment now.
1: Now well, fireworks has you gotta see them in person. That's what that's all about. No, it's not a television sport, okay? So <laughs> we we're on the same we're on the same page there. Hey, I'm I'm in a good mood. It's holiday weekend, T Frank. So let let's have a fun show. And I saw you put out a couple articles, and I'm gonna jump on those. We're gonna talk about it. And you had two articles you did for the offense, you did for the defense, bold predictions. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you something, if you were not aware of this, we at the Keystone Sports Network, we love us some bold predictions, okay? We're all about it.
2: I I, I imagine my bold predictions are kind of like Salsa Verde. It's like, is that really all that bold? Is that really all that spicy? Like that, that's a very, that's for a wide ranging bland palette. My, my bold (laughs) predictions, but,
1: uh, well, yeah, I made them so we can get into them. Okay. Well, let's get to them and it's up to our listeners to decide how bold you are. Okay. T Frank. So if you want to expand on them, if you want to push it a little further, if you want to just go over the line with something extra with your prediction, today's the day to do it. So let's get right to it. Let's start on the offensive side. And I love the way you start this with Drew Aller. And your prediction is Drew Aller goes bombs away in his first season.
2: Yeah. So all of these bold predictions are going to be interconnected. That's what I do. Like Because the offense is, it's not one individual player that we're just going to boost the stats for because there's only one football and the way things work in football is you build a plan, right? A plan of attack. So in this theoretical universe that I'm creating for the fall, uh, the running game is obviously the focus. I don't think that that's where we're making any bold, spicy predictions there. So in the, in the, in the realms of reality, what does drew aller look like in that offense? And instead of being conservative, instead of using a lot of um, caretaker type, things you can put in the offense. I said that uh Mike Gearsage is going to be aggressive with with his freshman quarterback with a big arm. So lots of play action passing, lots of deep threats. And so therefore the average depth of target, the uh yards per pass for Drew Aller is going to be high. It's going to be, you know, I, I think I said uh, 10 yards uh or something like that in that range in terms of how aggressive they'll be with the football. Um, doesn't mean he's going to throw for 3,500 yards. This is not Trace McSorley 2017. What I'm saying is he is going to be an explosive part of the offense that is led by the rushing attack. So, big plays, but maybe a little bit of feast or famine in terms of the passing game.
1: And I think some people have the thought, and there's something to it, where you have the great running backs, you have tight ends, maybe they'll be conservative with Drew or especially early on, and build them up to some of these things. My take on it is, I think Mike Yursich, he's going to recognize when he sees a Big 12 defense with West Virginia, and he'll start salivating. And he'll remember his Oklahoma State days and remember how you light up those Big 12 defenses.
2: Yeah, exactly. And and that is, I think, where I'm interested in the beginning of the season. There might be a little bit of a false flag there to start the year, where you go up against West Virginia. I think Delaware is the next game, right? So you've got two opportunities for Drew Aller to go over 300 yards passing pretty clearly. Um, But then when you get into the meat of the season, you know, I I just look back to to last year with Sean Clifford. He had a game where he had 187 yards passing against uh, Auburn and the team blew out the Tigers because they had so many explosive running plays. Um, Now, that game was obviously close until it wasn't. So those big time plays in the running game were a major factor. But here's the thing is, like, if you get those if you get those runs early in the game, the quarterback doesn't need to throw for 300 yards in that game. Like that's the other thing is need and situation will dictate a lot of these passing stats. So that's, that's what I was thinking in terms of how these guys would manage uh, the, the offense. And I think you're going to be very excited about Drew Aller, but when you look at the his stats at the end of the season, there'd be a couple games where he didn't really do anything and you go, Oh, that was good. That wasn't the
1: season I thought, but it was a good season. And you know what? Those games, fans will just take the W and move on. But I think early on, if if he puts up those big numbers, like you said, the 300-yard games early, you yeah. also put something on tape for opposing coaches to see down the line.
2: Also, okay. just quickly, and I want to move on. Yeah. You know, I, I know you're about to transition, but like he'll miss some things. Like There will be some plays that he misses. There'll be some big plays, some small plays. He'll leave some meat on the bone. That's the other thing we're saying here is like this is his first year starting. He's going to do a good job, I think, but I don't know if he's going to be the wild improvement over uh, Sean Clifford. I think about the same in terms of overall production.
1: But I also think if you give him that opportunity to do those things early in the season... Give him some experience on throwing those kind of balls that, you know what, he's going to miss some of them, but the experience will pay off later. And you mentioned that these predictions, they all kind of tie in. So, T. Frank, let's transition to wide receiver. You have someone boldly predicting will break out as a star at wide receiver. Who yeah, so I was
2: a little more daring here, uh, a little bit more daring. And it just... Omari Evans has been doggedly ahead of where he should be the entire time. Last blue white game, making a lot of mental errors as a player. Um, You know, looking like he just transitioned from option quarterback in Texas to wide receiver in the big 10. But despite that, he was the guy that played last year. I know that, you know, he didn't have the most impactful role at all times, but he was the guy that they pegged to burn his red shirt. So, um, we're just keeping that gravy train rolling. He was the guy that broke out this spring in the blue white game. He was the third player to ascend with Keandre Lambert Smith and with Trey Wallace. So I, I'm just not getting in the way of that. He's going to be a breakout star for the Nittany Lions in this big play offense that, you know, features deep passing and aggressive running of the football. So he'll be the guy that, uh, catches a couple 40 yard touchdowns, you know, again, maybe doesn't have a thousand yards receiving, but at the end of the year, you go, Mari Evans, player. This is a guy who who made a lot of plays in the offense. I think his his skill set and even some of his weaknesses in terms of what he isn't good at yet, you can mask that in this type of offense. So I you know, I know KeAndre Lambert Smith is the guy, right? But if we're being bold, Amari Evans took that step. There's something feisty about him that I really like. So I'm just going with it.
1: I told you when we started the show that there was uh, one of these predictions I was going to challenge you on. This is the one, T Frank. My star breakout for wide receiver. I I'm going to say Trey Wallace. Yeah, that's I not as bold. Feel like he's got. <laughs> well, no. Here here's the difference. I'm not saying he's going to be one of the guys. Yeah. I'm predicting he's going to be the lead guy. Okay. I think he's going to bypass Lambert Smith because I. I I, I'm not making guarantees, of course, these are bold predictions, but I think he's got some physical tools. I just think his ceiling is higher than it is for Ke'Andre Lambert Smith. And I think he's more of a complete receiver than Omari Evans. I I think he might be end up being number one this year.
2: Yeah. Well, I I think that that's a reality as well. I see this, you know, the, uh, the athleticism, the ability to jump and catch the football. But the problem, like, you know, um, I went with Evans just for the depth sake. He, you know, you'd say Evans is third on that list, and I jumped him to number one. You make a lot of valid points about uh, about uh, Trey Wallace and his ability to create big plays. Um, m- my question has just been, like, what's his overall skill set in terms of being a route runner? Um, he needs to improve there. So uh, it, it is not... Um, out of the realm of possibility where that's too bold of a take. I like that one as well. I really like Trey Wallace. I just, uh, I went with Evans here for the uh, for the excitement factor. Um, but yeah, I, the, the other thing is, uh, the thing I'm rambling and meandering towards is both these guys can fill the same role. Both can be explosive receivers down the field. And, you know, generally, I think that's a reasonable expectation for this team to try and create with all the eight-man boxes they're going to see.
1: It, and it'll be fun to see with uh, Drew Aller doing this, running it from the quarterback position. Okay, T. Frank, let's go to running back and give me your bold prediction there, because going, I've am going. i brought up this same topic previously. I've made the same prediction, but I've also predicted just the opposite. Yeah. So, so I've got my all my bases covered, but I'll let you uh, put out your prediction for the running backs. So
2: there's been a lot of talk. I forget who wrote about it, um, but somebody wrote about the sophomore slump with Nick Singleton. And I apologize because it's one of the veterans on the beat. uh, Great job talking about something that happens. And Nick Singleton talking about he's obsessed with avoiding the sophomore slump. So here's one way to explain what a sophomore slump is. You're not surprising anybody anymore. Everyone knew about Nick Singleton coming in, right? But nobody knew about Nick Singleton, the Penn State football player. Now, year two he is the obvious focal point of the offense. The same thing Saquon Barkley went through in terms of efficiency of big-time plays versus when teams were scheming directly to stop him at all costs. Um, the difference here is that Nick Singleton and Katron Allen have a better offensive line than Saquon Barkley did uh, in those years, if, if we're comparing. So this is, again, this is, this, is the, uh, this is the Frank's red hot sauce of hot takes. Where it's like, that's not even really all that spicy. They're both going to rush for a thousand yards, twenty-five combined touchdowns. That's you know, on par with twenty nineteen. A team I compare this team to, uh, where the whole the whole team had thirty-four rushing touchdowns, but the lead guys had about twenty. Uh, and the lead guys uh, in twenty in twenty nineteen did not have as many yards, but there were three. You know, there were three guys in that backfield really when you count Sean Clifford as well. This group condensed it. Katron Allen. Nick Singleton, each 1,000 yards, 25 combined
1: touchdowns. I like it, and I'm going to both support your prediction and then tell you why it's wrong when we get back to you, Frank.
3: Sounds good. Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set
0: It's quarter number two on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I am Jim Galanti along with my partner, the bro guy in his tank top. Yeah, bro, re- f- f- Flexing the guns for us here. All right, yeah. Frank, you're in full like Fourth of July celebrate mode, I think.
2: Yeah, it's holiday week. I don't ever, I don't really ever let the chest hair out. I don't have a button, you know, like relax a little bit. But it's the Fourth of July and June was a grind. And by the way, I, I'm happy that I'm listening to myself right now, like in real time, like, oh, I don't sound like I have COVID anymore. So we're just generally celebrating this week that things are better in July.
1: The world is good in T. Frank's world. Let's go. Let's move on. We're talking bold predictions. T. Frank, your last prediction was Katron Allen and Nick Singleton each hitting 1,000 yards, and I'm both going to support it and then counter it. Okay. I felt comfortable with that prediction that I made it also, but then I gave it some thought, and tell me if I'm just digging too deep here, is for a good part of last season, they had only two running backs, Mm -hmm. Even when it's a blowout, those two guys were getting the carries. Do You think Trey Potts might um, cut into some of their carries and maybe take away from some of that? A little bit,
2: but I also think that this is a difficult schedule and like there will be blowouts, right? And this is a good team that's going to generate, you know, a a lot of points. But there will be games even early in the season. I I don't think that they're going to just walk by Iowa. Um, so those, those guys are going to need to be productive. And, uh, because of that, like you're going to keep your fastball on the field and, and you know, it might be for these top two guys, they might have a a two to one ratio each with pots. So like four series for those guys. And then pots comes in, maybe it's a little less, I don't know, but like you're, you want those guys on the field, like the engine of this team are Nick Singleton and Katron Allen. And and I don't think you, you take them off the
1: field unless you have to. When it's still a game and competitive, yeah, you better believe those two guys will get the carries. You also made me think of one other thing. You know, you mentioned like the sophomore slump, and maybe they're loading up the box with eight guys. It reminds me, and now I'm going to show my old guy stuff, and maybe our old listeners will remember this. If I think back to 82, Kurt Warner was the returning running back. And the first couple games, he wasn't getting his yards because defenses were set up to stop him. And instead, Todd Blackledge was lighting things up because right. that's what the defenses were giving them. I wonder if we'll see something similar with, uh, with Drew Allard this year. Let's stay on the offensive side. Let's look at tight end. What kind of bold prediction? This one I've already read it. This is not very bold, T. Frank. I'm I, I thought tell it was. You to do even better. <laughs> go ahead. Give I thought it was when I wrote it. <laughs> yeah.
2: So I wrote the I wrote the bold prediction, and then I went and I looked up you know the stats and the bold is Theo Johnson averages seventeen yards per reception. He averaged sixteen point four last year. So ooh, big bold prediction. <laughs> the difference is like the the I'm predicting he's gonna be healthy the entire year. And the the cumulative effect of that is he's gonna be the team's that, you know, we talked a lot about the breakout receiver, one, two, three receivers. Like Theo Johnson could be the number two target on this team and generate explosive plays like a receiver. So that is a real possibility given how they used him and what I think the offense can do from a from a play standpoint a design standpoint using him in a lot of creative ways they're always going to have their their bubble screen fake bubble screen where they they run up the seam after they fake blocking they're always going to have you know play actions and rpos where he's over the middle but if they try to feature him as like the slot threat or the guy then down the middle with such a strong running game you know i don't think it's a uh, i don't think it's necessarily far out that he could do that Uh, You're right. Bold is 20. He's going to average 20 yards per completion next year. So there we go. That's what it's going to be.
1: Okay, there we go. That's bolder. I was going to ask you to do a prediction on number of receptions or number of yards because I I think he's going to be a star this year.
2: So that's difficult in terms of what's the run balance ratio, right? And what situations are they in when it's an even game and you can use play action. Are they ever down and do they have to throw the ball to the receivers more? Because again, as good as Theo Johnson is like, he might be the second best receiver on the team. He might be the best receiver on the team, but in terms of like trying to generate explosive plays and try to generate efficiency in the passing game, receivers are always going to be more efficient to target than tight ends. So there's got to be some, factors in there in terms of game flow and all of those things to make Theo Johnson a superstar player, right? You always have to be kind of even or ahead and making the other team chase you with your run game and with your play action game to make tight ends like a real strong feature in the offense. You can't really be down seven points and throw into your tight end a lot, or else you're going to be in situations where you lose some games
1: let's finish up the offense with the offensive line. Give us your offensive line prediction.
2: Vega Ioane is going to start, or at least be a part-time starter on the offensive line. It's not going to be that he sees some reps. He is going to be so good that you can't keep him off the field. And this is kind of fulfilling the promise of the last couple of years of Penn State's depth has gotten so much better. Penn State's talent has gotten so much better, especially on the interior of the offensive line. So, one of those guys to me has to break through or else it's all talk in a certain sense. And Sal Wormley is is a good offensive lineman. He's a serviceable, strong run blocker. And I know he was injured a lot last year too, but that's the point. If he's not performing up to the same level and Vega has taken a step in terms of not making mistakes, he's a better pass protector from a potential standpoint, you know, from a physical skill standpoint. So what are you losing if he has a, firm grasp on what he's supposed to be doing here and seeing him in the blue white game. He is an aggressive mean dude on the football field. There was one play where, where Kalen King, they, there was an abandoned uh, screen pass on the ball came kind of sailing over towards uh, Kalen King. So he jumps up to try to intercept it. Vega grabs him out of the air and then just slams him on the ground for no reason. Like just not a part of the play anymore. I think the whistle might have blown. He just threw the dude from the air to the ground. Like he's an aggressive football player. So he's going to be aggressive in practice. He's going to be aggressive and get on the football field.
1: I agree 1000% with that prediction. I love it. I like me some Vega A also. Let's get over to the defensive side. Edge rushers. We love our edge rushers here T Frank. Give me your bold prediction for them. I will go
2: a little further than just saying that Chop Robinson is going to have 10 sacks this year and say that Chop Robinson will put together the best pass rushing year under James Franklin, bar none. He has the best blend of talent and uh, skill that I've seen from a player, and he's an ascending player. So Arnold Abikidi did what he did as a, I believe, a fifth-year player. Chop Robinson did what he did last year in terms of disruptive force on a regular basis as a, as a redshirt freshman, I think, or as a sophomore, one of the two. I think he's a redshirt freshman. So he is so far ahead from that curve, and he did. It, we talked to him at uh, Lift for Life, Did it at 240 pounds, roughly. Now he's defensive end sized. So I, unless teams double him and it's hard to double in Manny Diaz's defense, it's hard to not, uh, you know, have guys protecting the A gap for blitzes because they send their linebackers all the time. So Chop Robinson's going to get a lot of sacks. They're going to be a good they're going to be a good run defense. They're going to put teams in positions to rush the passer. The only thing that's going to stop him from doing that is if somebody else gets there first. And there aren't many guys that are quicker and more explosive than Chop Robinson. I just I am so high on his ability and his potential. Again, this is not all of that bold of a take. The only thing I'm saying is that luck is going to get involved and he'll actually get those 10 sacks as opposed to you know, pressures and hits on the quarterback, which don't show up and don't feel the same way for fans.
1: I'm with you. You know, I'm a big Chop Robinson guy, but I think uh, you also mentioned in your article, Deny Dennis Sutton. Go ahead. Yeah. Fine. Go double team Chop Robinson. Look out from the other side, though. You yeah. start trying to do that.
2: And he's How got the flexibility. The- he's got the flexibility to do it in, in on the inside, too. It's not just the outside. So, Adisa Isaac is kind of a roadblock in terms of predicting a superstar breakout season for uh Dennis Sutton because who are you taking off the field on third down? So, I just solved the problem in our in our imaginary 2023. He rushes on the interior and he's just so big and strong and long that he he's the basically the number 2 pass rusher in terms of production on the
1: team. Well, I think you made a good point. The uh the competition they're going to have is with each other. Who's going to get there first to the quarterback? Yeah. And we as fans are going to enjoy watching it. So how about those defensive tackles, though? We always hear questions there. What do you have as your uh, your bold prediction?
2: So I think everyone is expecting a big step forward from Zane Durant. And the way you notice a player, for the most part, is pass rush on the defensive line, right? Making those type of plays. But if we say Deny Dennis Sutton is going to be the guy rushing from the interior, and they have a three down front on, in the prowler package, they either have to change it to a four down front and take some coverage players out, or... One of those guys is not on the field. So I'm saying that Zane Durant is going to take a step back in, third, in terms of third down package because Durant or denying Dennis Sutton gives you a little more versatility. Um, <laughs> it's funny to say because I think uh, Zane Durant is an insane athlete and probably drop in coverage just as well as Dennis Sutton. He's just practicing it less, you know, as a defensive tackle. So that being said, his presence in the defense is going to expand. So he you might notice him less but he has a bigger year because he's going to play more rundowns. He didn't play a lot on rundowns last year. um, So he's going to expand his role in the regular defense, maybe take a small step backwards, but overall his production and his performance are going to be better than last year.
1: That's the thing. Also part of that position at defensive tackle is it will often go unappreciated when you're just, you're taking up space, you're taking up blockers and you give other people the opportunity to make the plays. So sometimes you, you can't measure a defensive tackle easily by statistics T Frank.
2: Yeah, that's uh, and that's a really important part of like film evaluation is seeing where where the defense what's the defense trying to do. Linebackers do the same thing, like a cross blitz where you're bringing a guy into a gap and you're basically freeing up the, the gap for the other guy to run through. So Tyler Elsden, you might say he's not having a good year, but if he's plugging a lot of holes and letting Abdul Carter run through or Curtis Jacobs run through, he's doing his job. Same thing you could say of defensive tackle where guys that are doing, you know, a stunt where you have a guy who is uh, attacking the edge and allowing a gap to open up on the interior for somebody else to run through. Again, a lot of what happened last year with Abdul Carter is you had to focus on the outside. You had to focus on the exterior pass rushers and they left him one-on-one with running backs. And after a couple games, teams stop doing that too. So like, there's, there's so many different ways that this defense can go next year in terms of what is, the, what is the poison pill you're willing to swallow on any given play to try and stop one of these athletic freaks knowing that there's two more to take his place when you double-team somebody.
1: And that's the genius of Manny Diaz. He's got the tools, though, to make this work. Like we talked about, you double-team Chop Robinson, you're going to have trouble elsewhere. And that's the beauty of having so much talent on the defensive side. We are going to get to more bold predictions from the defensive side in quarter number four. But First, quarter three, it's your questions, and we ask T. Frank.
3: Hey, guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set.
0: Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at keystonesportsnetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: And welcome back to the 4th of July edition of the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim, along with T. Frank. It's quarter number three, which means it's time to take your questions, and we're going to ask T. Frank. This is where you send in our, your questions, and here's how you do it. Just go get our app, Keystone Sports. You'll see the Ask T. Frank button. Hit the button. Send in your questions at the end of the segment. T. Frank will pick out the best question, and we'll send a prize pack from 409tailgateclub.com, a great barbecue package from a set of their great products, including their coffee barbecue rubs. T. Frank, are you ready for our questions?
2: Yep, let's get to it.
1: All right, let's do this. Let's start with Ned in Exton, PA, who says, Love your analysis, T. Frank. Do you see any trends in Penn State's recruiting that you could attribute to the coaches on the staff? For example, has O-line recruited changed with Troutwine? Has defensive recruiting changed with Diaz? Has the quarterback recruiting changed with Mike Yersich?
2: Yes, I think you can directly point to some of those positions. Uh, some are a little early to tell. Dion Barnes is pretty early to tell in terms of what his personality and what his impact on the position is going to be. But um, I'd say let, let's let start with uh, Anthony Poindexter, because I think it's the most dramatic change so far, where... They got good safety prospects. They got guys that were good athletes, but they didn't get guys that were 6 foot 2 and could run a sub 11 100 meter dash in high school. Like they they are getting guys that are built different at safety, and I think that that is a, a valuable thing where um it's not the most it's not the most important position in terms of hierarchy of needs of a team, right? So if you're building a team, you're starting with corners and all defensive ends before you get to safety. But if you've got guys that can help you disguise your defense, that are versatile enough to play either position and help create doubt in the quarterback's mind, which is one of the things that safeties do the most, then I think you've got a huge advantage where you've got these guys that have these unique blends of skills. So I would say, yeah, Anthony Poindexter would be the first place I would start. I would say in terms of quarterbacks, the difference is Penn State, I think, did a little bit more, let's roll the dice on this guy that's a great athlete. And see if we can develop him into a quarterback. Where for Mike Yersich and everything I've seen, like these guys have to have the mental side down for him to com- to to for him to commit to them as a guy that he's going to pursue. You've got to have a good arm. You've got to have great des- decision making. You got to be a quarterback. Like there is not any of these guys that are running around with a lot of potential because if you look at what they've done, a lot of these guys are in line with what they were doing previously. Uh, Bo Prevula and Jackson Smolk, from a physical standpoint, I think are on that same par as a Sean Clifford and a, and a Trace McSorley. Drew Aller is the obvious outlier, but beyond that, these three guys, and then if you look at Ethan Grunkmeyer, these guys can sling it. Like they're quarterbacks first. And then everything else kind of falls into place of what percentage of the other skills do you have? So I'd say those are the two that are they're most noticeable to me. Um and again, it all goes Marcus Haggins, they've been aggressive trying to get bigger receivers. They got um, you know, they're working on Nick Marsh that that one is still up in the air but uh Peter Gonzalez is, is is a different type of receiver now generally the guys that they've gotten are more closely aligned to what they've been doing previously but this is his first season like he's working with a lot of previously established relationships um beyond that on the coaching staff i'm trying to think of some other positions filter oh, out I- one i think it's obvious that one's that one's been pretty obvious in terms of the length and athleticism he's been able to get on the team
1: Okay. That was the one I wanted you to comment on was trout wine at the very, I was going to ask, is it a different type of player or is he just getting better players yes, there? That one. Yes. But it's also, so it's also the interesting part of it to
2: me is not what happens when you get your guy because everyone knows who's good. It's when, when that guy goes somewhere else, what are your contingency plans? When you have to choose, I've said Penn State defensive tackle stuff like they don't go for big players that are big in high school. They go for guys that have length and frame that can develop into a two hundred ninety pound guy. If you can't get the guy that's three fifteen, you know, if you're projecting these numbers two ninety with good movement skills like they're going to go for those guys. But you'd like to have the guy that's three hundred and can move and can dominate in the run game and pass rush and do everything. So what are the factors you're choosing? And with with trout wine, it's all it's been length. Size, length, height. Um, some of these guys I don't necessarily even agree with in terms of their uh, their 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 maybe their ceiling or their potential, but they're big. And that, if especially at tackle, I see a lot of that in terms of what are the guys when you're having to make these choices. They're going with guys that have the the size to be the complete package if you can work on other areas.
1: Okay, let's go to Nick in Harrisburg, who says great offensive minds have shaped college football over the last century and a half. Wishbone, wing tee, spread, read option. If anything has taught us, things will continue to change. Are there any inklings of new offensive schemes on the horizon, or has college football settled into a basic spread philosophy?
2: That's a great question. So I'm, a, I'm, I'll, I'm going to shift this because I do have an answer for defense. Offense is a little hard for me, and just in terms of, you know where my strengths lie in terms of understanding the game. And and I don't want to speak out of ignorance. Um, Yes. The offense will continue to evolve. Um, I think RPO is a huge part of that. Um, And what it does to the defense to respond. Something I'm seeing on the high school level, especially too, like, this is not just at the, at the college level, but teams are, are running spread offenses in high school at an alarming rate. And now you're seeing a lot of three down linemen. You're not seeing four down. You're seeing eight in coverage in in high school and trying to corral the running game and and the options and all the stuff that have have been built off of those things. In college, this is, and I don't know how long this trend has been going, I'm seeing a lot more four high looks. Cover four, cover two, cover six. It's a more versatile coverage scheme that allows you to do a couple different things. But you're seeing, take Northwestern, for example. Kentucky does this. They try to play the run from depth, and that's interesting to me because it goads the other team into running the football, and then if you've got good safeties, talking about what we said with Anthony Poindexter and having the versatility of that position to confuse and disguise, you can bait teams into running into what you want them to. Penn State did a little bit of this against Ohio State. They kept a covered shell, four deep, two deep, You know, kind of like you're not going to throw the ball down the field, So they handed it off to Travion Henderson, and Penn State's defense was able to take advantage and hold them in check. So it is an interesting way to balance and attack what the offense is doing, because yes, I do think the spread is here to stay, but um, another aspect of that, and and maybe I'm talking myself into this conclusion, is seeing a lot more tight ends, seeing a lot more condensed formations to run the ball from. Uh, That's another thing I'm seeing a lot from certain teams, you know, and I think it's very specific to the Big Ten in terms of teams that like to condense and then throw out of that and condense and try to get big plays at the outside, bouncing your running back out wide.
1: What I find fascinating about this question, and I'll uh, go back to, I believe Joe Paterno was talking about, and I can't even remember what the concept was, what the offensive concept. And he was like, nothing is new. We were doing that back in the fifties. And, you know, I think of that with the read option, you know, the similarity to the back with the wishbone or the triple option when yeah. you would read, say a defensive end as a quarterback, you know, who's he going after? If he's coming after me, you know, I give it. If yep. I, if he stays wide, I keep and run. There may be different formations to set it up, but and by the you're way trying to put a defender in conflict
2: in modern football, they also tag that uh, read option with an RPO which is a third option, which gives you a triple option on any play where you can then throw the football if you're the quarterback and keep it and you don't like what you have. So, yeah, nothing's ever new. It's just incorporating it in different ways to take advantage or to attack what you have now.
1: And that's what was fascinating with the wishbone. There were three running options. Give the fullback, the quarterback keep, or he pitches. And every once in a while when they would throw out of that, where the quarterback would fake the – fullback dive, and then yeah. he'd go back and throw the ball. It always came as a surprise to people. So it, it will be interesting to see going forward. Let's go to David in Lancaster, who says, Love the segment on Curtis Jacobs and what he sacrificed last year to get Carter on the field. If getting Carter and Jacobs on the field at all times is a priority, can either one play Mike this year? And could the solution be a safety moving down to the Sam?
2: Yeah, those are all possibilities. Um, I don't know what we're going to see. I don't know the... I. So, Tyler Elsden was not a part of spring football. Um, so, that's going to be an interesting thing to see where he is, you know, just overall in training camp. Um, I expect him to be a part of the conversation. I expect him to play. I'm not saying anything. But, you know, is he... Has he taken a step forward this offseason? Has he been able to? Do they need to put some numbers at Mike Linebacker? I don't know. Uh, but the... I don't think you'll see a safety move as much as you'll see a shuffling of responsibilities. I, In the end, I don't see Jacobs moving from the field full time to the will and then uh, moving Carter full time to the mic. I don't see that. It's just the percentages we're talking about. If Tony Rojas is a player by midseason, he might take more snaps. Dom DeLuca, he's going to see snaps at that field linebacker position and you're going to see Jacobs there. So if you're, if you're in a three-way split there and you're in a 50-50 split with uh Jacobs and uh, uh Carter at the at the will position, and then Carter Moonlights as a as a mic. And honestly, at 238 pounds, and you know, the veteran, the smart guy in the group that has done so much offensive film study, you could even put Curtis Jacobs at the mic. So, like the versatility is going to put them in a situation where they are going to put the best three linebackers on the field to take advantage of whatever the defense is or the offense is throwing at them. Just in general, I was shocked that Manny Diaz put linebackers out at linebacker. You know, I, his whole career, wherever he had been, the sec, the ACC that had been a safety in its defense, you know, that had been basically a slot defender. And then he gets a Penn state and there's three linebackers on the field. And so like, I'm not going to predict anything 100 percent anymore because they'll, they, they've proven to me. They're going to do whatever they need to do to put the best players on the field, to have them play their best. I just think that the percentages are going to be more box linebacker for Curtis Jacobs this year. I think he's going to get more opportunities there, and I also think he's going to play better there.
1: And I'm not sure if this is a fair comparison or not T. Frank, but in basketball, players are labeled by position, but obviously they move all around the court. You start hearing things about like point forward as opposed to a point guard, things like that. It's almost like, okay, How are we going to use the skill sets of our players? And I feel like that's what Manny Diaz does. It's not so much, hey, a linebacker, so here's where you go. You're a safety, so you're back there. It just feels like if you've got this skill set to rush the quarterback, I don't care what position you play technically. He's going (laughs) to let you rush the quarterback.
2: He's also going to demand that every position rush the quarterback. He has democratized pass rushing. The only thing I would say, the last thing I'll say, and I'll try to say this quickly, is that the Mike linebacker is kind of the centrifuge around which everything spins. So you don't want to have too many players at that position. You do want to limit that to a core group that are going to command the defense. So that has to be pretty stable.
1: All right. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for quarter three. Quarter four will start with T. Frank naming our winner. Stay tuned.
3: Hey guys, this is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W. C. Clark's roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are.
4: Hi, this is Dustin Hockensmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network.
1: StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.
0: We head to the home stretch and quarter number four on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone.
1: Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number four. He is T Frank. I am Jim. We're talking Penn State football. We are going over some of T Frank's bold predictions. But before we finish up with that, T. Frank, we need a winner from Ask T. Frank. Who do you
2: have? N- Ned from Exton. Excellent question. I, I thoroughly enjoy that because it's it's genuinely one of the things I think about the most doing my job, which is trying to understand Penn State recruiting and what they're looking for and what traits are obvious and apparent and, and trying to. I don't want to say build whenever I hear somebody say build storylines that's a very writery jargon thing to say of trying to make sense of what you're seeing, trying to find the pattern in what you're seeing. So I'm always trying to find, is there a change? Is there a subtle tweak? Is there, what's the difference here? So I love that question about, um, different coaches bringing something different to the table for each position. Largely it's the same, but then it becomes, you know, those little differences that become big differences to me.
1: And what I like, too, is we had three questions. They all led to discussions. They were good discussion-type questions, T. Frank. All right, let's go back to our bold predictions. We got through the offensive side. We got through the defensive line. Let's go back and talk linebackers. What I I love when talking about linebackers now, T. Frank, and I know I'm segueing a little bit here off topic, but a year ago, Do you remember every conversation about the linebackers was, uh uh-oh, what do we got there? We, you know, not good. It's a very different conversation this year. I still
2: have people telling me, what about Mike Linebacker? What about Mike Linebacker? What about Mike Linebacker? So it's mostly a different conversation, but there are still people that are worried about all those things. Um, Yeah, it, it is. So. Um, I'll give you a free extra bold prediction that kind of goes without saying because of the previous ones. Again, these are all interconnected offense and defense. So Abdul Carter's not going to lead the team in sacks this year, but that doesn't mean he's not going to be an impactful defensive player rushing the passer. Um, so I, I think that that is probably my boldest take because he could easily lead the team in pass rushing, uh, sacks now, whether or not, you know, which one of these guys does it, I'm just betting on, uh, the guy who does it full time than the guy who does it part time. Um, but the, the, the one I wrote about our, our real bold prediction today is that Tony Rojas has the Abdul Carter glow up where he is going to be a not just a player that we see on the field from time to time, but he's actually going to be in the rotation. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter, and I am not even saying he's going to have the same impact. He's not going to lead the team in tackles from, the, from his field linebacker position. That's just not something that happens within the function of the defense. But he is going to have that level of uh, changing the defensive rep counts and structure of the team, where he can be a guy where you will see next year Jacobs, Carter, and Rojas as one of the lineups next year. That is my bold prediction for the team that they're going to have everything. Penn State fans are going to have everything they want. They're going to have all the linebackers out there with the most speed and talent as the three that are on the football field.
1: That will be exciting to see. And earlier this week, T Frank Dustin and I had a show where we talked about players that are difference makers. Yeah. Nick Singleton's a difference maker. Abdul Carter is a difference maker. And it just feels like Tony Rojas is next in line as a difference maker at linebacker. Yeah. And if you have one of those kind of guys, you find a way to get him on the field and let him make plays, right? Yeah. So it's hard to be
2: a difference maker from that position. And I, I, I remember a couple of years ago watching Curtis Jacobs do this job. And it just occurred like this is a really hard job to play that field linebacker because you are in no man's land at all times Um, in certain situations when the the long side of the field is, is extreme. You're on the far hash in certain schemes. If you get caught, if you get caught calling the wrong defense, and this is also on the defensive coordinator, but like the, the, the linebacker and that position can be responsible from the end of the tackle box to the sideline, which is like 30 yards of green grass you have to be at least responsible for contain and things like that with the outside corner. So it's a lot of responsibility and pass coverage, but you also have to have like the B or the C gap too. Like you are in both at the same time. And so what happens is a lot of guys, they get the paralysis is, well, I'm not going to be wrong and I'm not going to gamble. So you spend a lot of time not making plays. Um, I think Rojas can make plays. You know, like I think that he's got the, the abilities to do that. But then the question becomes like the mental side of it, of the stretch between those two responsibilities. How does he handle that? And being a linebacker full time um, when it was in obvious passing situations, I was very su- surprised uh, and, and impressed with how he did it in the blue white game in some very basic coverages. Remember, this is, you know, the blue white game. You seen very basic coverages. He's spot dropping to a position specifically looking for. But he's never done any of that before either. So seeing what he was able to do, I was very impressed. Um, but in terms of impact plays, and I guess that's that's the part I, I want to stress here is he, I think it's not even a bold prediction. He's going to be a part of the, the conversation next year. But Curtis Jacobs, his big plays when he was at that position was he was uh, reading the play action correctly and he was covering up the check down on a bootleg. You're not going to notice that unless you're like looking for it. But those are the sort of things that the Sam linebacker can do. Um, He's not going to be in the backfield with a ton of tackles for loss. Although I say that talk out the other side of my mouth and uh, Jonathan Sutherland talked about getting to the passer all the time as a blitzer. Everyone on this team blitzes and Rojas is fast. He's got to learn how to play through contact, but he's a former defensive end. Maybe he does. Maybe, maybe it's not chop Robinson or Abdul Carter. And all of a sudden we got Tony Rojas with four sacks. Through the first month of the season, because you're you're looking at everybody else. I don't know. The possibilities here are are the exciting part for this team.
1: Well, this goes back again to my theory about positionless defense, where you know if he has a skill set and that skill set is rushing the quarterback, Manny Diaz will find a way to let him rush the quarterback. Yeah, and it's just going to be fun to watch. And and to go along with all of this, Manny Diaz can be the genius of all geniuses you still need the talent to do these things. Yeah. And he's got that. He's got the uh, Jimmies and Joes along with the X's and O's. One of the interesting
2: things that they did a lot last year was a lot of zone blitzing um, specifically from what I could observe, trying to catch zones and trying to break zone systems where a zone system is you start from the front side, your intended gap, and then you work back from what the defense is doing, trying to find the open seam, who made the mistake instead of like, having a specific target of, I am going to run through this hole. Like Theoretically, in inside zone, it can be anywhere from the A gap to the C gap. What happens with a lot of running backs, though, is they just immediately bounce back to the backside because how the normal flow of the play is, the defense takes the front side away, and then you have to wash back into the unblocked defender. Um, What Manny Diaz would do is he a lot of times would blitz from the backside to knowing that's going to happen and then drop from the front side to try and confuse the offensive line and trap the running back basically in his own decision and lose yardage. So again, you know, talking about Tony Rojas, Sutherland had a lot of opportunities doing that last year. You could see Rojas making some some tackles for loss and some impact plays that way. But again, you got to adapt and evolve every year. The schemes, the systems, where you put everybody—it's all going to be. We'll find out together uh, on September second.
1: Okay, let's go to the defensive backs. Let's start at cornerback, where Penn State loses a tremendous player and Joey Porter Jr., a high draft pick in the NFL draft. So there's no way this cornerback position is going to be better than they were last year. Can they, T. Frank?
2: Yeah, so this actually is a crossover with two articles I've written uh, this week talking about better or worse at each position. And spoiler alert, uh, our hot take here is that they're going to be better. Um, because we saw what happened last year without Joey Porter Jr. Uh, during, after he became a full-time starter, Kayla, uh, Kay, I'm sorry. Uh, Johnny Dixon allowed a passer rating of 1.7 into his coverage last year from weeks 11 through the bowl game that if you throw the ball into the ground, it's like 45 or 50. He allowed a, a coverage grade, a, a, an NFL passer rating of 1.7 when he was targeted. So he is, I'm not saying that he is elite. I'm not saying he's better than Kalen King. I'm saying that he is a quality starter. So they're not really losing anything from what we saw from last year. And the improvement I'm expecting is that Daquan Hardy is going to have a more consistent year. He had a bit of a rough start last year. We talked about that. We chronicled it a a lot. Um, He did get better, but they did put him in less stressful situations as the season went on. His confidence in the blue-white game, don't always take what you see in the blue-white game, everything you see, to mean anything. But just like Dom DeLuca making plays, some things do matter. And I saw a more confident Daquan Hardy during the blue-white game. His demeanor was very different. So that guy, who has the production we've already seen, he's already been good for us to evaluate, yeah, this is a good football player. I just think that he's going to take a step forward. So then you got three guys, three starters at corner that are all NFL-level athleticism, and, uh, two, maybe three, uh, you know, Hardy, he's a little small, we'll see what happens with his future, but NFL level skill at the position. And then you go to Cam Miller, who keeps kind of like, uh, he's the Amari Evans of the defense where he just, he keeps playing and he keeps being a part of the conversation. Elliot Washington is a true freshman. I'm not expecting a lot, but he's just, he's super athletic. I'm just going to say, eh, he might make a couple plays next year. Despite losing Joey Porter Jr. The depth is thinner, but this, this, this team will be better at corner. Next year.
1: Okay, let's finish up with the safety position.
2: Again, I am the most boring person in the world. This is kind of just stating a fact. I I was joking with you in the break. These are just the things I wanted to say out loud that I haven't yet, I guess. KG Winston is going to lead the secondary in tackles. He might not start a single game, but he's going to lead the secondary in tackles. His run defensibility, his vision, his intelligence to see what he saw. Again, during the blue-white game, you're facing some basic things. And the offense and the defense, they're not showing a lot. And they practice against each other a lot. So you're going to have a little bit of an advantage there. But his ability to close on running backs, he made Nick Singleton sit down. Like he took him to the ground several times. Nick, Nick Singleton. That's impressive. So he's going to lead the, the secondary in tackles. I think he's going to have specific sub packages. There are certain games. He's going to be a feature where that maybe they put four linebackers. You know, they have a four, four, and he's going to be a guy making a lot of plays near the line of scrimmage. Again, might not start but will lead the secondary in tackles and maybe top three at the end of the year for the whole team.
1: There's been so much talk about K.J. Winston, and then what we were, are able to glean from the blue-white game. He didn't disappoint. He made plays there to you, Frank. You combine that with all of the talk, what we're hearing from the coaches, I don't, it's a nice, it is a bold prediction for a guy who's probably not going to start but he's going to make his presence felt on this team this year.
2: Yeah, that safety position, it's going to be fascinating to watch because I don't know how they're going to do things from a uh, positional distribution. And I, I think K.J. Winston is a is boundary safety, but can he do more? And will they allow him to do more? We've seen good players break the mold. And he, he and Zaki Wheatley have that sort of break
1: the mold sort of skills. Very good, T. Frank. That's it for our show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show.
3: Hey, guys. This is Andrew from 409 Tailgate Club, here to talk to you about our new coffee barbecue dry rub set. Over the years, we've developed some great tailgate sauces and barbecue dry rubs, but our new coffee rubs are totally unique spice blends, low in sodium, and feature Happy Valley's finest coffee, W.C. Clark's, roasted right in the cheese shop in downtown State College. So head on over to 409tailgateclub.com, grab yourself some coffee rubs, and remember, always tailgate with honor. We are.
4: Hi, this is Dustin Hocketsmith from the Keystone Sports Network. For the best Penn State football analysis and commentary, go to keystonesportsnetwork.com. The rest of the KSN team and I will bring you game reviews, player evaluation, recruiting news, and plenty more. You may even hear directly from some of your favorite recruits. That's KeystoneSportsNetwork.com. You can also take Keystone Sports Network with you. Go to your app store and download Keystone Sports for your mobile device. For Penn State football news 52 weeks a year, count on the Keystone Sports Network.
1: StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, statecollege.com. Trust statecollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love.